What is good, all of our listeners and viewers? Welcome to another episode of Games and Groceries. My name is Adam. And I'm Liz. And everybody's confused about the pineapples. But all will be revealed pretty soon. We're here with episode 87. We're talking about the importance of game writing with our special guest, Alyssa Payne. She's going to bring the pain tonight. That's right, folks. Well, you're listening to this in the morning. If it's, you know, comes out Monday mornings, but you're listening to it at night. It, you could listen to it any time of day. You yeah, want. you really can. Fall asleep to us, to our gentle voices. Yeah, honey, you have a gentle voice. Liz, how you doing? I'm doing good. Oh, yeah. Today was a good day. Today. <laughs> Tell more. I am literally, like, I'm not even kidding. So my boss called me today while he was out. He mm-hmm. was at meetings and stuff. And he calls me and he says, he's like, I'm stopping for coffee. What what, what do you like to drink? And yeah. I told him that I just, I wanted a black coffee with sugar. So like literally after I hung up with him, I got in such a good mood. (laughs) I was like, I can't call. Like I wasn't, it wasn't even like I wanted coffee or anything, Right. but like just, I don't know. I got in such a good mood after that. And I turned on the alternative Pandora station at the office and he didn't care, which I was fine with. Yeah. (laughs) So I had my, my alternative music going all day, which is my favorite type of music. And I had my coffee and I didn't feel like an idiot. I only felt like an idiot like once today when I was trying to figure something out, but I Rip. figured it out and I don't know. It just, I just, it was a very good day. And then he let me go home an hour early. So it was just great. I just feel like I had a really good day. I was in a good mood all day. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was called homeless. Oh, you didn't tell me that. Well, no, no, no. This is the story I told you yesterday. Oh, <laughs> I don't think he called you homeless. Well, like, so I, I said on the podcast a couple times, I was mistaken for the owner at my place of work, which is the diner. Uh, but today I come up to somebody and I'm the host. And I said, "Hey, can I?" And I didn't say it like that. Hey, <laughs> hey! <laughs> um, wow! Listen to my soothing voice. Wow, that that audio clipped. Thank God for Levelator. <laughs> yeah, now not it's sponsored. Level that. Yeah. Oh, goody. Um, but yeah, so he, I I come up to him and I said, "Hey," I didn't say it like that, <laughs> but it's like, "Hey, I, how can I help you?" And then he said, and he looked around. I'm like, yeah, can I help you? And then he's like, oh. And then he puts his hand on my shoulder. I'm like, in my head, like, don't touch me. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, uh, sorry, I, I mistaked you. I thought you were just some random guy off the street. I'm almost like. He's wearing his uniform shirt and hat that and say hat. the name of where he works. Like, yeah. Is, like, I'm like, did he think that you were just like a fanboy of the diner? And I was just like, in my head, and I told you this, and I wanted it to be a hashtag. Like, listen, if you don't want crap seats, in the restaurant, if you want to be sat in a generally good area, here's a rule of thought. Hashtag, don't roast the host. Just, just go in. He really thought that was the most clever thing. It is the, the most clever thing. Do not roast the host. Hashtag, don't roast the host if you want to be sat. There you go. Yeah. All right. So let's get this show started because we want to make more time for our guest today. Yeah. Uh, who is Alyssa Payne, who is uh, an aspiring game writer. So we'll be talking to her uh, pretty soon. But before we get there, let's remind all of you that we're on social media, on Twitter, at Gaming Groceries, or you can follow us individually. I'm at Ace the Grocer. And I'm at Journey First. So you can follow us there individually and be friends with us there. You can also follow us on Instagram, Games and Groceries, all one word, and check us out on Facebook. Just search for us on Facebook. And uh, check out our website, GamesGroceries.com, where you can listen to all the podcasts from the website, as well as find out where you can listen to us on the audio versions of the webs- of, of the podcast. Good job, Adam. Uh, and then finally, if you haven't already, 
If you haven't already, definitely hit that subscribe button and a notification bell so that you know when all these podcasts come out, as well as some new projects that we're working on as we speak. So with all that said and done, let's just move into our first segment, which is all about movies. So let's just do it. First section. Movie Minutes. Movie Minutes is a segment that we talk about the movies that we saw in the past week and whether it be on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, or in theaters, we like to recommend it or we don't recommend it. And this one we found on Amazon Prime Video. It's included if you have Amazon Prime, uh, Prime Video specifically. And it's a movie called Serenity. No, it is not that Serenity, you know, the, the follow-up movie to Firefly, the series. No, this is starring... Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. So, Liz, opening thoughts. What do you think? What you looking up? I'm looking up mm-hmm. the yeah. um, description. Okay. Because the description is very misleading. Yeah, go for and it. I wanted to read it. So, this is the description, and this is why I think it, th- it is the way it is. A fishing captain's Matthew McConaughey quiet life is shattered when his ex-wife, Anne Hathaway, ensnares him in a heinous plot to murder her new violent husband. Mm-hmm. Plot sounds pretty good. Yeah. Which is That's why we turned it on. Which is why we turned it on, because it sounded really interesting. Mm-hmm. And that is not really what the movie is about. Yeah. It's a storyline in it. Yeah. But it's not actually what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of misleading and it it just wasn't that good. So, well, let's talk about that before I go into our final verdict. Um, very beginning. Doesn't give you a lot of context. Doesn't give you a lot oh, so of... I thought we were watching the wrong movie at first. Yeah, it doesn't give you a lot of explanation or plot points. You just kind of sit there and just think, why? Like, why is Matthew McConaughey a fisherman? Why is he out here in this island? Why is Anne Hathaway coming out here saying, like, oh, I'll pay you $10 million for a certain thing? It's just like you, you, there it really isn't any real context. You just, you just have to accept what's going on. Yeah. And it's like for a long time, 20 minutes, I think, into it. Really, like 15, wait, 20 minutes. You're yeah. waiting for Anne Hathaway to come in. Yeah. Like you're sitting there, like, all right, where's Anne Hathaway? Yeah. Like the whole, like she's in the the description of the movie. We expect that she'd be in the whole movie, but twenty minutes in, I was still lost. I had no idea what was mm-hmm. going on, what we were doing, and where Anne Hathaway was. Yeah. So altogether, the beginning of the movie doesn't really give you a lot of exposition. No. It doesn't give you a lot of purpose until why you should invest in this movie, and even more so. Talking into my second note here. You're already not really invested in the plot point already because there's not really any kind of like attachment to any of these characters. But altogether, you watch this movie and there's a lot of uncomfortable scenes. And not like 1917 was, where 1917 had like really uncomfortable scenes, but it was necessary for you to watch. And they were educational. Right. Whereas this one, there's a lot of uncomfortable scenes where you're just like, Okay, can we stop now? There's a lot of those. And I don't know if the it was a director's fault or the writer's fault. It's just a lot of uncomfortable scenes in this movie. It would be the director's fault. Probably the director's. Well, no, the writer even, wrote it in, but the director made them awkwardly long. Yeah, it was just really uncomfortable. 
Like there's a lot of them. There's a, there's a good number of like uncomfortable scenes. Yeah. And I'm not even talking about love scenes. I'm just talking about like why why are we watching this? Like it was, it's just a lot of yeah. it. Yeah. Um and then just quickly going through. Again, we want to give more time to our guests tonight. Um but the ending of the movie. Now, I normally don't say that there's a twist in movies because that in of itself is a spoiler, but Seeing as we're not going to recommend but, this movie. Yeah, and to the fact that there is a twist is, like, the whole point of the movie. Well, like, that's the thing. That's that's why it's a spoiler. Well, yeah. Like, to say that there's a twist in a movie, you're yeah. expecting a twist. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, this twist tries to be deeper than it actually yeah. is. Yeah. And I wrote here in my notes that it the, the twist kind of reminds me of Vanilla Sky. I'm a huge Tom Cruise fan. Hated Vanilla Sky. Um, but that's the thing. I remember there was a line in Vanilla Sky when they were going over the twist. And one of the characters was kind of breaking the fourth wall by saying, like, oh, am I blowing your mind? And I'm sitting there like, no. <laughs> Same thing with this movie. It's trying to be deeper and trying to send a message. And just like, you didn't really earn that message yeah you didn't really earn the story i said this when we watched it was yeah that the story is actually pretty good if you just look at the story written out it sounds really good the execution wasn't there the execution was just bad they did it bad yeah it's just bad and that's the thing like like i said like the the twist is trying to send a message about mm -hmm. society in of itself and i'm not gonna say yeah. what in case you do watch it fine like that's on to you but I don't recommend this movie, no. but like the twist, it doesn't earn what it's trying to say. So going to the last couple minutes, uh, let's go into our final verdict. What are you giving it out of 10? Do you recommend it? I gave it a four. So take that as. You and may. four is just below average. Yeah, because like I said, I think the story was good. It's just the, the execution was terrible. It was just, it was just so bad. I'm moving mine down from a four to a three. The more I sleep on this movie, the more I'm just like, this had no purpose. The only reason why it's a four for me is that it's it's a shorter movie. Yeah. It doesn't really take a lot of your time. I think it's like an hour and 42 minutes. Yeah, something like that. And it's a, it doesn't really overstay its welcome, but it's just... But honestly, looking at the movie, though, it could have been shorter. It could have been an hour. Yeah, really could have. Like, there's a lot of things I could have just snipped yeah. out. Um, like the 20 minutes of intro. And, like, the, the tone of the movie kept changing. Like, the genre kept changing. Like, it just, it was not well executed. There was yeah. a lot of ideas. There was a lot of story. But it just messes up by saying that, like, we want to be all movies. And it just didn't yeah. do a good job. It was... That disappointing that it, it honestly it looked like they spent all their money mm -hmm. on Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. I forgot to look up. Usually if I don't recommend a movie, I will recommend a movie I have seen on, on the same platform, Amazon prime. And I forgot to look something up. I, I forgot to look up something else I would recommend. I don't know if it's on there, but rain of fire is one of Matthew McConaughey's greatest roles. I love rain of fire. Yeah. Did it age well? No, you, but Matthew McConaughey's role in that is amazing. You know those commercials that Matthew McConaughey does where he's talking like this? The Lincoln commercials? Yes. Yeah. He was that character 
in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. That like honestly, that's all I thought of when I watched this movie was him in those commercials. Yeah, because they were awkward. So that's Serenity. It stars Matthew McConaughey and Hathaway. Neither of us really recommend it. If you want to watch it, it's on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, take ours with like our opinion. Go into that kind of expectation. I mean, you guys know what we like, what we don't like from past ratings. So, mm. so definitely, you know. There you go. Yeah. All right. So I think it is a good time to talk about video games. You know, we talked about movies for a little bit, though. But let's jump into video game news with our next segment. Top three gaming news. The top three gaming news is the gaming news that we saw in the past week, and we like to rank it three, two, one, just to give you a condensed version of what's going on in the games industry. So, this week, not a lot happened. Yeah, like, like there was ton. news, but nothing, like, big. Yeah, like, an honorary mention is that, they, and I was telling Liz this, this isn't really news, but uh, Outer Worlds getting an official date on the Nintendo Switch March 6th. What makes it news is that it's getting a physical edition with no physical game inside. It's just going to be a download code. That's and it's just like, why? Just make just it download only. Of, that's a that's a waste of material. It's so stupid. But you know, so, you know, it's getting a Switch release. I love the Outer Worlds. I love the Switch. There you go. But yeah. speaking on the Switch, let's just jump into our number three gaming news. And um, oh, big shocker here! Huge shocker! Oh, wait. wait. Huge shocker. No. No Nintendo Switch Pro. <laughs> At least this year. So, I saw this this morning and I and I wanted to wait uh a little bit before I or you know, I wanted to wait until we had some more confirmations and it was and I have right here the uh Nintendo's um presentation so there's a there's a lot of speculations and you know kind of like saying like oh well there is going to be a switch pro there's been game analysts saying that like it's definitely going to happen this year especially with the ps5 and xbox one x coming out the next gen consoles but according to a presentation to investors nintendo actually said and i'm going to read this slide right here by the way the article linked down below it's from eurogamer um, it does have a link to this presentation slide. This is on like page, I'm going to say like five or six. I might be wrong on that. Uh, but definitely, you know, look at the presentation, but I just want to read this slide regarding Nintendo switch. We believe that it's important to continue to communicate the appeal of both Nintendo switch systems and expand the install base. And here's the note, please note that we have no plans to launch a Nintendo Switch, a new Nintendo Switch model during 2020. So everybody's like, nope, it's not happening. Now, I forgot to look back into our prediction this episode and mm-hmm. see if I predicted it or not. You did. I did. I did predict You it. predicted Nintendo. Oh, no, maybe you were talking about games when you predicted it. Yeah, that's the thing. I can't remember, and I forgot to listen to it back before we recorded You said this. it was, I think, as far as the Switch. I yeah. do think you did say, like, you never know with Nintendo because they've been known to just yeah, kind of release it. So it. I think you did predict a release this year for Nintendo. I said no. Yeah. I was right. I, I predicted because Nintendo is, like, one of those left-field people. and But I'm not really shocked. Yeah. It's not really in Nintendo's MO to have this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now... What is to note is that no new Nintendo Switch model 
during 2020 you know, in the which next means they have ideas just not for this year yeah so that doesn't mean that's never going to happen does that mean there's a chance you know write in comments down below if you know that reference does that mean there's a chance um probably 2021 maybe it's like a strong maybe um but this is confirming there's no new Nintendo Switch. There's no Switch Pro coming out this year. And they're more focusing on expanding the Switch Lite as a handheld system. No shocker there. So yeah, there's nothing more to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. No new Nintendo Switch. That's number three gaming news. Number two gaming news. Liz, you're excited for this. I am because I'm not going to listen to you. <laughs> it's not going to. Okay, let's just talk about it. Um, apparently Maxis, who is the creator developer behind the Sims series, uh, is recruiting for a new IP. What is a new IP, not Sims five. Although I did see an article and I'm not sure how reliable it is, but they're pretty busy working on Sims five for next gen. I don't know how reliable that is, but next gen they're going to do Sims five. Hmm. But anyways, so this job listing is from EA. Um, this is found by a Reddit user. Link down below. All the articles are linked down below. Now, while we're awaiting Sims 5, uh, Maxis is recruiting for this really new, exciting, new IP. And I'm going to read this quote from the article. Uh, Sadly, not much else information is provided on what this new project might be. Though the listings seem to uh, seem to emphasize the development of real-world visual effects, including smoke, fire, clouds, water, steam, and explosions. All right, Liz, take it away. What do you think? So, I read the the article because you sent it to me. Yeah, and they did also mention they said hopefully it's not something like SimCity again because SimCity did not do very well. Yeah. Um. But that's what that is a potential one because it's not like you said it's not Sims Five because it's a new IP. It's a new IP, yeah. So I don't know what it could be. I hope it's something Sims like. That would be cool. The article also stated something about um, a mention of a live service included. Yeah, I mean I so know that <coughs> on the PC Sims has an online availability. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it does. I never used it because I don't play Sims to play with other people. So yeah, there's that. Um, but I'm not, I'm not sure how or why they would do that. The most I could think of is that instead of having your own world, it would be other people like a shared too. world. Yeah, that's the only thing I could think of. But what that would still be under Sims, wouldn't it? I don't know. Like it says, a new I mean, IP. It would be interesting. I would try it out. I wouldn't. What's getting me yeah. is like these elements right here. Smoke, well, fire, clouds. Well, that's what made me think it was Sims 5 because that's the things that you would encounter in Sims 5 because Sims are reckless people. Well, see, I saw this and I immediately thought, what if this is like an expansion for that um, Sims Island expansion? And what if it's like a spinoff of that where it's like build your own island? But it, you kind of do build your own island in that expansion, don't you? Yeah. like it. So that would be kind of like... It already is that... It'd be kind of redundant yeah. if that was it. The other thing that I could think of is that I was telling you how the original Sims, mm -hmm. you could you actually built your own world. Yeah, you didn't you did it didn't have all the shops and the houses. It was a blank world. Right. Like people, you had neighbors and stuff, but when you 
entered your map, there were no, uh, there was like a couple other houses, but you controlled it. Like you could move their houses. You could mm-hmm. put shops and things in a park. Like you chose those things. Whereas now you don't. So one thing I can think of is maybe that, but then it's the mm-hmm. explosions. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's I want of, to know, but I don't know. It's kind of up in the air, whatever it could be. Um, It's definitely not Sims 5 because be. they did separate in the article that it's a new IP. Sims 5 is in the works. Like they're definitely. I've been saying that for years. Well, I think it's been confirmed and it's coming out for next gen. I have trust issues with Sims 5. Well, yeah, duh. I mean. Uh, oh, did you know Sims 4 is part of the PlayStation Plus free games? Of course it is. Yeah. Which which actually goes to show that, like, okay, they're getting people ready for Sims 5. Yeah. You know? Like, why would they give that out? I still want the tiny house. Now, when yeah. Sims 4 becomes a Game Pass game, that's when you really know they're getting ready for Sims 5. Why isn't it part of Game Pass? That would be crazy. I don't know. Let's move on. Anyway, so going into our number one gaming news... Um, <laughs> it's, uh, Atari, everybody. Atari's back in the news. Hey, everybody. Atari's back. As hotels. Um, everybody's scratching ahead of this. A- Is it like the actual, like, company, like yeah. the gaming company, Atari? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The actual gaming company, Atari, is opening up six hotels across is America. It like just Atari themed hotel. Like what? Yeah. What? I don't understand. It's nobody like, understands. I don't understand. We have a hotel that's similar to this going up near us. You talking about the Cartoon Network? Yes. Hotel. Yes. Yeah. And I'm just like, and again, I'm what? Why? It's so. What's weird. happening? So, Atari is opening up. The brand of Atari has been going down immorale lately especially with their new gen system and uh i think they had a watch at one point and it just was not a notion like it wasn't it was not there they had a kickstarter for this watch i want to say and it just never happened they're just trying to enter different industries seeing what sticks yeah like like when you're cooking they're just cooking spaghetti like they're yeah they're throwing spaghetti at the wall seeing what sticks um but they had that watch they backed out of that and their Kickstarter was just like a menace. They have this new generation like uh, Atari Mini system. Nobody knows when that's coming out. No, Atari is making like their own console again. It's not even like an Atari Mini. It's like their own console. Like they're just like, eh, we're gonna try again. And then they're we gonna, got this. <laughs> then they're gonna make these hotels, and it's just like everybody's scratching their head. What's happening? So let me read this. Oh man, it's a tiny screenshot. But let me read this uh, tiny screenshot. Uh, saying, we are thrilled to partner with GSD Group and True North Studio to build our first ever Atari-branded hotels across the United States. Together, we'll build a space that will be much more than just a place to, set, uh, just a place to stay, says Mr. Fred. I'm not going to even try to say that last name. Chesnays? Sure, why not? Uh, CEO of Atari. Atari is an iconic global brand that resonates with people of all ages. I, I'd like to argue I, with that. I was going to say, a five-year-old probably doesn't know who Atari, what Atari is. People of all ages, countries, cultures, and ethnic backgrounds. That's, that's okay. Uh, we cannot wait for our fans and their families to enjoy the new hotel concept. And it's just like, okay. And they're going to charge a ton of money just because it says Atari on it. Like, really? And it's just kind of like, I don't understand what they're trying to accomplish with this. Are they trying to 
get the Atari brand going again. And it's just like, why? <laughs> just give up. Just just make software. Just make really good software. Or just do rebrand. Do. I don't know. I understand as a brand, you don't want your brand to die. Yeah. You want to do it. But a hotel... Yeah, that's just random. And they're and they're like saying like we're iconic across. Okay, let me read that quote again. All ages, countries, cultures, and ethnic backgrounds. That's a that's a tall order to say that. It's like he wanted he wanted to like no like I feel like that's something like you write when you're trying to impress your boss. Yeah. Like look at all these things, or when you're trying. It sounds like a cover letter. Like I've done this, 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 and this. It's just weird. I don't understand this decision. I'm not a businessman like this. So good for them. Good for a GSD group. Go for a True North Studio, whatever you are. Have I, fun. Yeah. It's just kind of like, okay, so it's opening up in Chicago, somewhere in Arizona, and then four other cities. Yeah. Um, In fact, before we go into our next segment, I just want to look this up. Uh, where are... Where in, let me, the, let me okay. where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where are the Atari hotels going? Yeah. Where are the hotels? Uh, okay, so here we go. Chicago. No, you got oh, there. Vegas, Denver, Chicago, Seattle, San Francisco. Oh, wait. And Austin, and Texas. Austin, and San Jose, California. So and, that's seven? Yeah. That's a lot. So, yeah, if you live in those areas, good for you. You get And a, only one near us. Yeah. Wait, what's. We're in Denver. Well, I meant like on this, almost this side of the coast. No, Chicago is closer to us than Denver, I think. Well, I mean both of them, Chicago and Denver. So I said. Oh, yeah, too. Yeah, Denver and Chicago. So, yeah, good for you if you're getting these. You know, write it down in comments down below. Are you excited to stay in an Atari hotel? I mean, I'm excited to see like pictures and see like how they do it. But at the same time, I'm just like, why? Like, sure. All right. So I think it's a good time to jump into our next segment. We're going to get to know... Uh, our guest, Alyssa Payne, a little bit better with our interview segment. Uh, she's an aspiring game writer. She She's done a podcast called Just the Story Pod uh, podcast, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. So let's just introduce our guest. Let's just bring her on with our guest, Alyssa Payne. It's interview time. All right, everybody. We are back with our special guest. Well, Let's have her introduce. Uh, who are you on the line with? How can I help you? <laughs> Hi, I'm Alyssa, Alyssa Payne. Uh, I do game writing. Yeah. Uh, cool. Would you now? Would you consider yourself an aspiring game writer, or would you call yourself just game writer? Uh, I take contention with the term aspiring. Even if you mm. are aspiring to be something, I would say don't use it. Uh, mm. If you are doing a thing, you are doing the thing. So okay. I say that I'm a game writer. And I think that if you're writing games, even if you are not employed by a studio, if you're just writing games in your closet, you are still writing games. I like that. Nice. <laughs> Again, this is Alyssa Payne with the with the best attitude possible. Uh, we love it here on Games and Groceries. But... Before we get into our discussion point, we want to ask you a few questions just to have our audience get to know you a little bit better. Um, so let's start off with, um, so on Twitter, you've mentioned that you grew up in a pretty restrictive religious uh, household that kept you from reading the Harry Potter books, which have since been solved. 
Uh, you claim that you have read the Harry Potter books. Is that am I right? <laughs> yes, you you are correct. <laughs> okay, because you can't be on this podcast if you have not read the books. That's facts. <sighs> but good you, to know. Yeah, but you're on here, so that solves that issue. Um, but that's not the question I want to ask. Uh, the question is because you were in that kind of household, that kind of upbringing. How do you think that kind of changed your perspective about, about the uh, the world and pop culture in general, whether it be positive or negative? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I was I grew up in a restrictive religious household, like you put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until the time I was thirteen, uh, the moment my parents divorced, I uh, moved in with my mom, her aunt, uh, not her aunt, my aunt, her sister. Um, in a different house and the culture there was a lot different. Uh, Mm. It was when I was living with my mom and dad together that religion was used to restrict certain forms of entertainment. Mm. And I don't think it was uh, the religion that was putting the restrictions on. It was more so uh, someone was using religion as a vehicle for control Mm. in that situation. Um, but regardless, it did make me see, uh, pop culture in a different way. Mm. Uh, I think it prompted the, the discussion in my mind of what, what is good and bad art? I was having those questions really early on of what is acceptable to consume as a form of entertainment. And even if I didn't word it that way, that thought process was already happening in my mind. Um, and then it turned into a second part where I was discovering how important pop culture is to connecting with other people. Mm. Uh, so having not read the Harry Potter books, I was lacking this connection with so many people that had and loved yeah. it. And I had no idea what they're talking about. Like, what is the sorting hat? What are these houses? <laughs> you know, what is the Hufflepuff? Yeah. Like, why do you guys all want to be Slytherins? <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, Slytherin crew um, right no. here. Oh. Just yeah. Here. So man. That was a thing. Yeah. And, and that, that's <laughs> the time. Like uh now you were growing up in that time of when the books were first coming out and you were trying to connect with people in that kind of way. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and now uh and now going forward, you would say that it's it's kind of put a more um constructive criticism on the world around you, would you say? Yeah, I think it had me start questioning things at an earlier age than I would have Hmm. um, if I was just engaging without restriction. And not to say Hmm. that people who, you know, can read whatever they want don't have those questions. Right. Um, But I just remember in my experience that it was just a confusing time. It was really confusing why I couldn't read Harry Potter, but I could uh, watch someone play, let's say like oblivion, like Mm. on the television, uh, because video games were so beloved by my dad. Um, he didn't put a lot of restrictions on those, uh, Hmm. but on books, definitely. Uh, he was just like, you are not reading such and such, uh, twilight, you know, anything that had to do with magical or supernatural Mm. entities, but in video games, it was fine. Uh, so it was very confusing to have those two um, parameters set for me. Hmm. Well, speaking on video games, uh, Liz, what, what's the next question we have? 
You've mentioned your love for Dragon Age, for the Dragon Age franchise on Twitter a lot. A lot. <laughs> I a know. Lot. And so what are some things that draw you into it? Uh, so Dragon Age came out when I think I was 11. Yeah. And it was the Dragon Age Origins was the first game that I played that had an origin story for mm. me to play. Uh, and I, yeah, I didn't really play through an origin story before mm. that. And it was a really interesting way to draw me into the story uh, from the beginning. And I felt really connected to those characters in the first game. Mm-hmm. Um And it it was less so about the plot and more so that I felt very invested into the characters and my party and the fact that I could go talk to my party members when we had, um, you know, stopped to rest in between doing these quest lines Um, and just being able to communicate, do their side quests, you know, having the option to uh, change Alistair's personality. Alistair was one of the... Uh, companions that you had along yeah. the way because um, you could either make choices that would tur- turn him into a hardened version of himself or um, you know he would stay sort of the soft kind natured sort of like a pushover um, mm-hmm. that he was uh, and so you got to make these decisions and I, I don't think I had experienced a game before then that had done that mm-hmm. Uh and Dragon Age was sort of just like tossed over to me. My dad had been um, playing Mass Effect and Dragon Age, and he decided that he liked Mass Effect better. And then he's like, "Do you want this?" And I'm like, mm-hmm. "Sure." Yeah. Uh, I don't know what this is, but okay, I'll play it. And then I was hooked from the beginning. Oh man, yeah. And Dragon yeah. Age Origins is like, especially probably my favorite too. Uh, I was really hooked in, and it's a fifty-hour game, but it doesn't feel like fifty hours. You're not like not like Red Dead Redemption 2 was, where by the end, you're just like, you're fatigued. Dragon Age Origins, especially, you're just 50 hours in, and you're just, I need more, like for sure. And you were speaking about like your love for the characters and love for the narratives. Uh, And I want to ask you, um, originally, uh, I I found out about, I I discovered you, would you say? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, I I found you on Twitter, and I found your podcast uh, called Just the Story Podcast, and I really enjoyed it because your take on narrative games on lesser known indie titles, it was really well done. Um, now, you don't do the podcast anymore, unfortunately, but uh, talking about it a little bit, what were some of your favorite parts about making that podcast? Uh, everything, really. Yeah. I love that podcast, like my heart and soul. Um, you know, it's interesting you would think it was breaking down the stories. That was my favorite part, but it was actually learning how to do all the audio stuff, Mm, um, which was totally a mystery to me. I didn't have a mic. I didn't have, you know, a mixer or an audio interface. I didn't know what those things were. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I always like learning new things that are, you know, not familiar to me. And so learning that was probably my favorite part. Uh, a close second would be getting to touch base with indie developers of whose games I were I was reviewing or talking about. Yeah. Um, getting to make connections with them about their game. Uh, I think at one point 
I had asked one of the game writers some questions if she could give advice on uh, the game that had been written. Hmm. Uh, and it was enlightening for me as a game writer to break down those narratives. If anything, <laughs> it was just me sort of learning for myself. And then it was out there for other people to hear me go through my thoughts. Um, it was, it, I don't know how best to put it. Everything was great about it. I loved all of it. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, it was really well put. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, it was very organized. Uh, I, I loved everything about it and what you did, especially for, like I said, lesser known indie games. Like there's a lot of games that you talked about that I had no idea about. And I just gave it a look versus some others. Um, I'm not trying to like bad mouth, like, like greatest story I ever played where the, you know, massive, but like it, it, it was refreshing is what I'm trying mm -hmm. to say. Oh, um, thank you. And like I said, um, you know, you're you're learning something new with the audio uh, and anybody listening who's um, hearing this kind of hissing noise uh, in the background of our guests. Yes, I'm still trying to solve that. Talk about learning something new. <laughs> Our Internet isn't the best. Come to think of it. Um, but, you know, like like we said, um, like what you said, it's all a learning process. Yeah. And if you're if you're listening to this and you're thinking about starting your own podcast, you can do it. You can learn. Guess what? The yeah. the internet exists. It, it's, it's full of information. Definitely. So moving on to our next question, you're pretty open about your mental health on social media, including the struggles of trying hard to please everyone. Have you found methods of how to cope with that? Um, I think being open about it in the first place is sort of my coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I do struggle with, um, my mental health a lot. Uh, and I used to take on the policy of just hiding it, mm -hmm. uh, and appearing very, uh, high functioning and okay. And I have everything under control. Um, and I wanted to have everything under control so that no one would have to worry about me and like they would just you know I could please them just by being um you know someone they could depend on and mm -hmm. I had my I had my stuff together mm -hmm. uh but you know it's not really that way and uh in regards to pleasing other people you know I I still struggle with that uh I think talking about it and being aware of when I am putting others' needs first than my own. Hmm. Um, it, it takes a lot of me checking myself mm -hmm. uh, and seeking out resources as well. Um, there's this other podcast called Mental Illness Happy Hour. I listen to that constantly. Um, listening to how other people um, cope, even though you know it's not professional advice. Mm -hmm. um, hearing about other experiences is really helpful and I think that's why I also share mine uh on Twitter and you know sometimes they're not uh as best worded as I could uh but they are a form of catharsis of just being open about it and mm -hmm. hopefully others see that they're not alone and you know yeah we can keep working on it it's never uh, a finished product it's always something to work yeah. on oh for sure yeah and yeah. I, and we appreciate it uh that 
you're more open with it. You're not trying to hide it. And I think, and I think that comes with our generation too, that yeah. we're not nervous about keeping it all in. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I, I agree. And I, and I really admire you like on, on Twitter that you're, you're open about it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, thanks for sharing. And you said the uh, podcast you listen to is called mental illness, happy hour. Am I correct? Yeah. 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 That I believe that's what it's called. It's either, it's either mental health happy hour. No, mental illness happy hour is definitely mental illness happy hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If you're um if you're listening to this and you're looking for a new podcast about mental mental health, mental illness, um, there's a podcast you can check out. Um, yeah, definitely. I heard. I was like, oh yeah, let's go listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. It has hours and hours of content, like years. Dang. <laughs> oh yeah. good. That's what I need. There you go. <laughs> so our final question for you before we jump into our discussion about game writing, uh, talking about your own game writing journey, uh, you're not, like you said, you're not aspiring. Uh, you are fully into it. You're game writing, whether it be uh, at a company or in your broom closet, wherever. Um, but I want to ask you, how do you hope? And this isn't like, where do you see yourself in 10 years kind of question, but like in your okay. mind. How do you hope to inspire others with your writing in video games someday? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I feel like I want to inspire people to experiment mm. uh, with the types of narratives that they can tell. I, I grew up thinking that I was just going to be a classic writer. Mm. I wanted to be that person behind a desk, you know, with their cup of coffee and like, books and papers and writing novels and just like tons and tons mm -hmm. of novels. And I couldn't ever really figure out why writing novels didn't really click with me. Mm. I would do it, but it didn't come naturally. And then I tried uh, poetry of which I was scared of for a very long time. It was intimidating. Um, and I ended up loving it later and then short stories, but none of it felt like I something I could do forever until game writing. Hmm. Uh, and I didn't discover game writing and interactive fiction uh, until probably my junior year in college, which was not that long ago. Wow. Um, I, I'm a new graduate. I graduated in May. Um, so this path that I'm taking is fairly new. Hmm. Uh, very new, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just, I want people to sort of uh, break the conventions of what they think a narrative is. And I think video games are a really great medium um, for testing out things and experimenting and uh, changing the definition of what a story is. Mm -hmm. uh, and I hope, you know, I could do those things and then inspire other people yeah. to do the same or do it better than me. Because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there's people growing up every day who want to be writers. Hopefully they know game writing is a thing because I did it not. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like you said, like, uh, hopefully not, not even just changing re wheel, but like revolutionizing what it means. It's the game writing isn't just a standard. It's, it's a, uh, it's a standard that can be not even broken. I don't know, even know what I'm trying to say right now. That <laughs> writing, when you think of being a writer, that most people go with screenplays or books. Right. And yes. We kind of want to make it so that when someone wants to be a writer, they have it's also they think of like, oh, well, I could write a video game. Yeah. Like it's not mm -hmm. just books and movies. Yeah. yeah. Well, definitely. Instead of just talking about nest segments, we got a whole segment all about writing video games. So 
Um, but before we jump into that, um, like I said, um, this is Alyssa Payne. Uh, she is a game writer, so definitely um, uh, check her out. Uh, she is on Twitter at written smitten. Am I am I right on that? Uh, it's actually so it's flopped. It's smitten written. Ah, smitten I wanted written. it to be written smitten, uh, but I think some at the time someone had taken that one. Ah. I was very mad. All right, so you can definitely check her out on Twitter at Smitten Written. Uh, she has elite tweets, if I may say, so definitely check out those. But I think it is a good time to jump into our discussion all about game writing since we're talking about it, revolutionizing the game. So let's just jump right into it with our final segment. Every single week here on the Games Groceries podcast, we like to have a conversation about the games industry, whether it be about female gamers or game preservation. We just like to talk about everything and all things here on Games of Groceries. Everything. Everything. And like we said before, we were introduced to her in our last segment, Alyssa Payne, and she is a game writer. And we want to talk about the importance of game writing. Now, every single time we do a discussion, I like to define the conversation and, and let's really talk about the differences uh, that we find in game writing. And I want to start with our guest here. Um, what are some of the differences we see in writing for books and writing for video games? So, Alyssa, what do you think are the differences? Uh, so much. I, I think some of the main differences is the nonlinearity that mm -hmm. games can take. Uh, books have a bit more control over where the reader is going to go because they are limited to what's on the page. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas in a game, there might be uh, a discussion going on inside of a room or an office and the player is listening, but they're also trying to like see if they can punch the bookshelf in the office or, <laughs> you know, where can they run or is there a chest, you know, near the sofa? Um, like if, I don't know why a chest would be in an office, yeah. but I'm thinking like a fantasy chest. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. uh, you know, players are a bit more distracted about this entire world that mm. is around them, and which they should. These worlds are amazing. Uh, but in regards to story, there's less control over what story um, they get or pay attention to. No, that's um, I, I think that's the best way to put mm -hmm. it is that like there's. I think there's more control over the audience in a book or even a movie like a movie is very uh, can be very linear in that sort mm -hmm. of way where, mm -hmm. you know, the author or the script writer has a lot more control of where the story is going to go. Yeah. Whereas, like you said, um, I can't remember what game it was. And I brought it up in another podcast, but there was a game writer where like he or she I can't even remember who the person was. Um, but they talked about how they can't accommodate for every single narrative that or every single choice that the player wants to make because they can't possibly think about how much the human mind can comprehend. Yeah, absolutely. I can say as someone I'm writing a book mm -hmm. and even though these characters are fictional ones that you made up, they're your characters. They still have a mind of their own. So not only are you trying to write the story that you came up with, you're also trying to write around the characters trying to do their own thing. And as a game writer, like I can't imagine having to do both of those and trying to figure out what a gamer is going to do like with your characters, like almost like an active character. Yeah. So like yeah. having to think of so many different 
brains in the works. I can't I can't even imagine. I can barely write my book. <laughs> yeah. I want to I want to get your take, Alyssa. Like so how do you when you're when you're writing for a game, when I, when I just came up with that profound knowledge because I'm so profound. Wouldn't you all agree? So First and foremost, would you all agree that I'm profound? No. Oh, so thank profound. Oh, thank you, Alyssa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, um, but I'm thinking about that. And would you consider that the player for the game writing, uh, would you consider that an active character? Or how do you account for that when you're writing for a game? The player is my antagonist. No, oh. I... They're not. Oh, <laughs> I was about not. to say, like, we're getting deep. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, they are sort of like an active character that will go beyond your script. Mm. Um, even in a linear game, uh, they will be doing other things within the story. The story is uh, sort of there in the world, mm. um, but the pacing at which the player, you know, uh, and takes the story, I think, mm. is actually sort of similar to books because, you know, someone can put down a book and then come back to it wherever mm -hmm. their bookmark is. Yeah. Um, the same with games. So, um, you know, the pacing is similar with the both of them. I think there is a lot of difference in the fact that games are such a collaborative effort. Um, mm -hmm. Unless, you know, you're a solo dev who's making your game um, just by yourself and it's just you. And I think that's very similar to uh, a novelist writing a novel mm. or um, someone shooting their own movie just by themselves. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to some of these larger games, like triple A games where there's so many people that have hands on the finished product, um, sometimes the writer also loses control or um, their surprises mm. at the end of development that they didn't know was going to be in the game. Um, so it's like everyone is active, the players active, the other people that are, you know, putting their work into, uh, the game. That's also, Man. um, a thing too. There's just so much that goes on with it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that, that not only are you kind of, I don't even want to say battling the player, because I guess that's like what you said, like it becomes the antagonist, but then you're also kind of, um, fighting against the waves of the coding and the the game designer the game mm -hmm. director mm -hmm. um anything like that anything can be thrown your way whereas you know a novelist is only really fighting against themselves and what they look at in the mirror uh or even editors editors can be kind of your antagonist when writing a book i guess but <laughs> now yeah technically <laughs> <laughs> yeah really um uh, now Talking again about the players, right? How do you think some of us kind of take game writing for granted? Because I know a lot of people growing up, um, I, I was big into narrative games even growing up. I loved hearing a story. I never skipped a cutscene ever. Um, but then I see some of my friends who are like, oh, just get me to the action. They just like keep pressing like the skip button. How do we kind of take game writing for granted? How do you think? Uh, I think kind of the way that you described uh, skipping everything mm -hmm. uh, and just wanting to get right to the action. Uh, and the action's great, but man, that story. Um, I think mm -hmm. that sometimes we, even I sort of take it for granted, are these quiet moments in games mm. uh, where not a lot 
is going on. There aren't all these, you know, magical spells happening or um, a person you have to save or uh, some like a fetch quest that you have to go fetch where the player is just uh, or the character that the player is playing is able to digest whatever's going on around them. and that's actually something that was pointed out to me when I was, well, not pointed out to me individually, but I was listening to a podcast and uh, this other writer mentioned it, that we don't get a lot of uh, moments in games where the game slows down. Um, yeah, and we really get those uh, moments where not a lot is said and we're just able to digest whatever's happening around us. And the character mm-hmm. is able to do the same. Uh, and they're really hmm. like you can see that the character's feeling whatever tension or conflict is going on. Um, whereas, you know, if there's always just this action or this violence, it's just like, okay, let's get to that end boss and show them what's what, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But do we ever really think about that boss and like what they have been doing? Do we get moments where we could just sort of sit and be like, man, like reflect. Like, yeah. they're causing a lot of chaos, you know? That's true. Like, yeah. you don't really see a lot of that. I mean, the most I can think about, and I still haven't finished it. Um, I'm I'm sorry, listeners. Um, I still haven't finished Breath of the Wild. But even then, like, there isn't a lot of, a ton of reflection. Like, what do you think about that, Liz? Um, I mean, I think there's reflection when you're walking between. I mean, I'm still, I'm still really early in the game. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were talking about like early on in game playing. No, in yeah. the game, I'm yeah. still very, I'm stuck on one part and I can't get past it. I'm about yeah. to restart the whole game. But I think <laughs> for where I am, there, when you're just walking around in it, you have time to reflect. But I'm not very far into the story, so I can't really. Yeah. I haven't finished it yet. But Alyssa, I think you make a good point that yeah. not only is there not a, not, not a lot of love for the lines, but mm-hmm. like what you said or what that podcaster said, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But we're going to give you credit anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, kind of like the saying of like what I like what you said, though, there there's not a lot of time of like beating a boss. But why did we beat that boss yeah. or, or what was that boss doing? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I would love a game like that. Um, could you write a game like that? Um, I, I could try. Yeah. Could, could you please uh, hurry up? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's that's really that's really awesome. I like that. And I I, I think I, I think in the same terms as that, where the reason I don't like when people skip cutscenes is um, I'm I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm seeing someone else on Discord and. He's playing Elder Scrolls again. Jeez. Um, speaking of Elder Scrolls, speaking of a good story, but like there's there's purpose behind it, you know. Like there, mm-hmm. th- it gives you drive. Uh, some of my one of my favorite franchises, and I am starting to slowly accept that Halo is my favorite favorite franchise of all time. Um, and the reason why I like Halo so much is because of the narrative. And it's in the same way where I saw other people trying to skip the cutscenes because they wanted to do more Halo action. Mm-hmm. But it's Master Chief's story, like from beginning to end. Uh, let's all forget about Halo 4 for a second. Let's just <laughs> dump that you know, <laughs> mess of a game. And Halo 5. 
let's just let's just let's just think about Halo one through three. Um, but it's Master Chief's story, his struggle, why he's doing it, uh, his connection with Cortana. It's beautiful, and yet a lot of people just want to skip the cutscene because you know, bang bang shooty. Yeah, and I think I I agree because it's like you're kind of lose. You're not really getting the reason why you're having these fights, which if you're just going into the game just to fight, then all right, fine, skip the cut cut scenes. But then why are you, I don't know, then it's just weird. Because like I know I've been on both ends where when I was younger and I didn't play a lot of video games, I remember I would go over to my cousin's house and he had the game Gladiator. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand games. I didn't understand how they worked. I was like, oh, look, I can fight. And I was pretty good at it. So I would just go and I'd be like trying to skip the cutscenes. I was like, stop talking. Like I'd complain. Yeah. Like, just let me fight. And now as a gamer and I know why there's cutscenes, I know what's going on. It's like you're kind of losing why you are playing. I would even argue it's because, well, hmm. I was about to say, like, maybe it's because you're older and much more mature uh, now. (laughs) Um, But like. That's kind of arguing against uh, that a younger person, like how old were you? What'd you say? Um, I was probably, I'm trying to think the house they were living in. So I was at least eight, maybe. No, it was after my cousin. It was after his younger sister was born. Um, So I was at least 13 or older. Yeah, because I was about to say 13 and 15. Because that's kind of discounting my what we were started. It was right before we started dating. So I was between fifteen. I was between like I was like 15 years old. Okay, so I was actually giving you more credit because I thought you were eight when this all happened. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I was about to say, it's like maybe because you're a lot older, but I was about to say that kind of discounts, you know, kind of like seven, six year old or even eight year olds to comprehend a story. Yeah. I mean, my cousin was 10. Yeah. But it was his game, so I'm assuming he played with the cutscenes and like he used them. And Alyssa, what what would you think? Uh, like, would you say that like an eight year old could comprehend a story? And, and it's kind of like a rhetorical question because then most childhood majors, like majors in childhood development, like yeah, they can. But like, <laughs> what what would you say, Alyssa? Uh, my initial instinct is to say absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I I remember playing. Halo at a very young age. Yeah. Uh, and I pretty much knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I didn't understand entirely everything, but I could still grasp it. And I think uh, sort of exercising those uh, those muscles to comprehend mm. story can go beyond just reading. Um, but, you know, practicing... Uh, comprehension of like what's going on in a movie or what's going on in a game. Yeah, uh, I did though play a lot of games that were not rated for me. Yeah, uh, at at that age, so there's still guidelines we have to yeah. put on coat follow. Mm. Yeah, not yeah. everybody follows See, them. The games I played when I was younger, like eight, nine, ten. Yeah, was games that didn't have the cutscenes as much. It was like like your favorite game, Super Monkey Ball. I was literally about to say that. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. Um, Super Monkey Ball or Mario uh, yeah. and Sims. Like, I didn't play games that really had cutscenes. But I would argue, I would argue, you just brought up Sims. I would argue that at a young age, you were creating your own stories within the Sim, within Sims. Would I, would I be wrong? Uh, 
Um, I didn't really, when I was younger playing Sims, I didn't have an idea in mind for my Sims. Like now when I play Sims, I'm like, she's going to do this and this, and this is her attitude and things like that. You're creating a story now, but when I was oh, younger when you're, oh, playing when you're Sims, I didn't really have that. I build a house and make a family. Like and then I didn't you go drown them in a hot tub. No, that oh. you can't drown them in a hot tub. You you have to put them in the backyard <laughs> and then you build a box around them. You planned this. <laughs> yes. Sim no. players have to sometimes plot to kill their Sims. Oh. And that's but but okay. that is part of making the story because you oh. want the other Sims that's supposed to be like a tragedy in their life. So you murder but them then in front of their eyes. The Sims that die decide to come back as ghosts and ruin everything. Wow. This just turned into a true crime podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm saying that when I was younger, I didn't have stories for my Sims. I didn't go in with yeah. like, this is what my Sims are going to be. It was like, I'm going to build a house and then they're going to get married and then they're going to have babies. That's still a story, I would say. I would still say that. The story of life. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is true. And, that, and that's the thing. Um, I, I would say that when when people are, and this is like part of my notes, so I'm going to pull back the curtain here. Like, oh, Adam. Um, but... Uh, when we when we talk about taking away like a game story and taking it kind of for granted, I, I would say that a, a game story kind of pulls you into the immersion and it gives you purpose mm -hmm. and why you want to play that game. Yeah, you know, uh, and I know some people are just thinking to themselves like like you do, uh, where like, well, when I was younger, I didn't really make a story, I didn't really understand it, but I think you would still comprehend what's going on. Like why in, in in our example of Halo, why are you killing the Covenant? And for most part, you know, people are like, well, I don't really care. It's this shooty shooty bang bang. Yeah, but you know there's a reason why these are the bad guys. Yeah. You're you're at least making a story in your own head. Yeah. You know? I can see I see where you're going. Yeah. Am am I on the right track, Alyssa? What'd you say? I think so. Yeah. As long as like there's this you know, there's conflict. And if you know that there's a conflict, there's a story going on. That's yeah. the essence of your story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, um, I would say like, and, and I want to hear from your perspective as well on this. Um, when, when people are starting to say that, like, I don't really think about story. Um, I, well, this kind of goes into my like other notes here, but, uh, there's always this need for a narrative, in humankind, right? Like humans always kind of need this narrative. They, they always comprehend things in this sort of narrative kind of pace. And there's always this kind of need for story, especially when playing any kind of game. Uh, what, what would you say to that, Alyssa? Uh, oh, yeah, that that's a hard one because there's definitely games that do really well that aren't narrative driven. True, yeah. Um, they're, they're, their focus really isn't on the story uh and they still do really well and they're really fun to play yeah uh man yeah that's a hard one i i just think that you're right the stories are sort of our lifeblood you know mm -hmm. yeah. of how we navigate through the world uh games definitely don't need um a full-fledged story but even putting a character or a player into a world, there still needs to be context for why they're in that world. Yeah. Uh, and for it to make sense, uh, it, there at least has to be some world building involved. And even if there's not a classic uh, type of storytelling through like dialogue or exposition, mm -hmm. uh, there's storytelling going on just in the level design or what props you decide to put in your scene. 
Uh, everyone on a game development team, I say, is a storyteller, whether you are programming uh, the code or you are placing things inside um, the actual game that people will see. Uh, or if you're writing like a silent game, like um, I think of Limbo and Inside. Oh, uh, yeah. No dialogue, but so much story, so much to yeah. digest. Or even Journey, you know? yeah. It, it, it can be done in um, untraditional ways, I'd say. Yeah, and I, and I have that, you know, kind of as a question as well in this conversation. Um, when when we talk about, you know, kids growing up and they want to be game developers, they want to design games someday. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, how do we start to communicate that game writing, writing a narrative is just as important uh, and not even like less important or more important, but just as important in developing a game as coding or level design. Um, wh- what's your take on that, Alyssa? Uh, man, it, it's so important. Uh, the term like game writer and even the term narrative designer is really new. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly had no clue uh, that game writers were involved in games when I was mm. playing mm-hmm. them growing up. Uh, and my mantra for everything is that game writers should be uh, brought into development with designers in pre-production of a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're planning out what the game is going to be, the mechanics, the world, uh, there's this tendency, I think, among I mean, I, I don't have triple A experience, so I would I'm gonna speak more to indie. Um, mm-hmm. that writers are brought on as sort of a band-aid mm-hmm. to uh make sense of a world that has already been built. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, you know, sort of pointing towards a uh like a chalice and being like, Can you explain why this is here? Uh, huh. yeah, I could, but like what was your vision? Why'd you put it there? You know, um, Mm -hmm. your storytelling when you're building uh, this world and Mm -hmm. uh, there must have been something going through your mind once you were um, before you had a writer on board to like actually um, place a story inside the world. Uh, And I think that games work so beautifully when everyone collaborates together um, before everything is Mm. made, like really uh making decisions uh, before the game starts to be developed. Uh, and I think that works out so beautifully. I think of uh, games like Oxenfree where the mechanic of using the radio signal is yeah. t- really ties into uh, the way the story is told. And mm-hmm. it, it works so nicely together uh, to tell a story. And what I see is a really good collaboration between the developers and the writers on that team. No. Yeah. And as you were talking, it kind of reminded me like, uh, I, I can speak more to like, um, you know, developing music with a band. Um, and as you were talking about that, being a band aid and not being really involved in the story is almost like, you know, creating this whole album, like a whole album of just like guitars, bass and drums. And then you bring on a singer last minute, like, okay, write a story with our music. And if the singer isn't really involved in the music writing, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the best kind of, you know, band music is when the vocals kind of match the tone of the music. 
can't you can't really have like write a happy song when you're in like a well you can okay like this 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 metaphor is kind of like unraveling right here it's like but, saying you wrote the you wrote the music and then saying hey put lyrics on top of this yeah and it, yeah. And it has no deeper meaning whereas like if you are kind of immersed in the music writing or yeah. in your case if your writing is immersed in the game development yeah. it just kind of uh, combines a lot better which is crazy because i didn't know that they do that that i didn't know they like make the whole world and everything and then put a story on it i always thought it was someone presented a story and they built a game around it yeah I've, so i was just wrong all no around. i mean no i i i've read articles where that's kind of almost the norm where they just kind of bring them on as band-aids and again uh like Alyssa's saying i'm not an expert either on the triple a but i've read mm -hmm. articles especially from you know jason schreier where he goes yeah. into deep development and you know writers are kind of brought on as like that band-aid like well you know write a story like this well that's stupid well <laughs> i mean i'm not disagreeing with you <laughs> it's unfortunate yeah <laughs> that's what we're saying is that it's yeah. unfortunate um, if you want to make games listeners collaborate with your writers or at least know yeah. like yeah. how you Story want them to do mind. Mm -hmm. yeah. and um Alyssa, i i just want to ask this this is kind of like off note here uh i remember early on twitter you know you kind of uh reached out on twitter and asking for any kind of writers for any sort of advice uh, were there any like like really excellent pieces of advice that you've gotten from uh, any established game writers that you've gotten so far? Yeah, actually, um, I, w I was going to print out one of the responses today that like I wanted to put on my bulletin board because it was mm. so good. Um, uh, but the essence of it was just that you're you're going to be fine. Mm. Like, um the the advice was that everyone sort of has a different pathway into their into the industry. My question, uh, I I was vague on the post, but my question was that, um, you know how how is this journey supposed to go? Because yeah. uh, it's been confusing to me. Um, I I got out of college and I was like, okay, I want to be a game writer. How do you do that? You know, mm -hmm. I, I had been toying with the idea and there was really no set pathway. And how do you be professional uh, working with indies or trying to connect with people who have way more experience than you? Uh, how do you reach out to them and network and be like, I'm so new. I don't know what I'm doing, but like, what was your experience? Yeah, I'm like? trying to find your tweet. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was just asking for like... Uh, you know, just advice, professional advice. And, yeah. um, you know, everyone broke into the industry in different ways. Uh, you know, some, you know, started with freelance clients and had really great luck with them and had really great experiences. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, uh, I was, what, what am I trying to say? Yeah. I like, I guess like what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to, you know, improve my craft, improve my writing, um, basically, because what I've heard is that the hardest part is actually like the collaboration, making everything work together, the actual getting the story with um, to work with the design and the mechanics of the game. Hmm. And uh, you have to be able to do the writing um, 
almost not without thinking about it, but without thinking about it. Mm. You need to be really secure in your craft and um, to be able to sort of take on the other challenges of game development. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm just writing, reading, writing, reading, um, mm-hmm. working on stuff to put on my portfolio and then connecting with people, looking at their work, learning, learning from others. Um, so big advice. It's okay. Keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other advice. Keep learning. Keep connecting. Uh, conferences are really big. Going to conferences, mm-hmm. meeting people face to face. There's only so much Twitter and email could do. Um, yeah. actually being in those spaces, um, and seeking people out, uh, which is actually very hard for me. I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm really shy, um, social anxiety, like through the roof. So breaking out yeah. of that shell, yeah. um, is, is really hard, but worth it, you know, um, once I actually get through and do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I like, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I, I feel like I'm more extroverted than Liz is because, he kept looking at me when you were saying that. <laughs> yeah. <Aww>. Like Liz. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I know what you mean. Like going to conferences and meeting new people. Like I, I, I go right up to somebody. I'm he like, hey, man. for that stuff. Yeah. Where, whereas Liz in the back and like, I'm oh, like, you should you should be my wife. Where, where'd she go? I'm like, like, hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess like ending our conversation here, um, I, I want you to have kind of the last word here. You as a game writer and you – Looking into the future and seeing where you want your future to go, where do we kind of see the future of game writing going? And do we see it in like a positive light? So, Alyssa, what do you think? Uh, I see it in a positive light. I think the Hmm. stories that we tell with games can only get better. Um, I mean, yeah, some will not be as great, but Hmm. a lot of people are pushing the bounds of what um, storytelling can do in games. Uh, I'm thinking of games like Firewatch or um, uh, Kentucky Route Zero. Mm. I think that ju- that just came out. Yeah. Um, games that are really, um, they don't look like traditional games that you would play. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The shooty, shooty, bang, bang. <laughs> yeah. I, I <laughs> um, love it, yeah. But what I would really love to see for game writing, and if I have the ability to make this happen in the future, is to create more educational pathways Hmm. i guess i would say for game writing um like i i would say it in like in for in college or um having it be like extracurricular stuff you could do but um it was hard for me to figure out whether like there was ever a degree for game writing there it was for some places it was tacked on as like game design and game like a game writing class or like a game writing like section of classes like maybe three but there's not like the way you take like a creative writing um bachelor's which i have and then you know go do a master's in creative writing i would really like to see that same sort of thing for game writing or for it to fall under the umbrella of creative writing the way Mm -hmm. that we look at writing short stories poetry um creative nonfiction. can we insert Mm. interactive fiction in that uh workflow and that curriculum uh i would really like to see that man i i think that's a good way to end this conversation like create more like what you said create more educational pathways you know give the opportunities to these young people that are growing up in college and let them know it's an option yeah yes 
because games are getting bigger and bigger, no matter what Joe Biden tells us. And Uh, (laughs) I think that as gaming as an industry gets bigger, so will the careers Mm. that are in gaming. Like people don't know how to get into gaming or, you know, what careers are in gaming. And I think as gaming gets bigger, so will the Mm. paths to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's well spoken. The funky industry. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. All right. I think we can end our conversation there. So, um, but yeah, uh, before we end, um, Alyssa, I, I already mentioned your Twitter. Uh, is there anywhere else we can find you at? Any any new project we should be aware about? Um, where can we find you? I'll roll the red carpet for you. Um, so I've been posting little bite-sized experiences on itch.io recently. Um, that's what I was working on one before uh, we started this call. Okay. Uh, and you can find, I'll usually post those on my blog or portfolio, portfolio slash blog. Uh, and that's, you can find that at www.alissapainwrites.com or dot me, actually dot me, not dot com. Yeah. Um, and pain spelled P-A-Y. N-E, not like actual pain. Yeah, <laughs> not like a... <laughs> um, yeah, definitely, and I also um, post writing prompts on there. So if you're a writer or a creative, actually, they're just creative prompts because you could, you know, draw to them, animate something with them, write yeah. something. Yeah, definitely uh, um, write that too. to me in the messages right now because I'm going to link that. Uh, if you're listening or watching this on YouTube, I'll have that all of her stuff linked down below if you want to check her out. Uh, you said that's Alyssa Payne, but not spelled like the real pain dot me. Mm-hmm. Um, that should be a, that should be your Instagram handle. Like not the real pain, not <laughs> the real pain. I, you know, maybe Yeah. I might change it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Any, anywhere else we can find you, anything else uh, we should be aware of? Uh, nope. That's it for right now. Definitely. Uh, but I will keep you guys posted. And if you guys want to keep up with me, Twitter is the best place. Yeah. Like I said, um, at smitten written, I'll also have that link down below in the description. Um, but yeah, um, Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. This has been a really awesome talk. Like mm-hmm. a really, I would say a really profound talk if I may say. Okay. Yeah. But I agree. And thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Alyssa. I like when our guests agree with me. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I like when they laugh with me. Yeah. <laughs> so this has been our, our episode. This has been 80, episode 87 of the Games and Groceries podcast. You can, of course, uh, follow us on Twitter at Gaming Groceries. Follow us on Instagram, Games and Groceries, all one word. Uh, definitely check out Alyssa's stuff. Link down below. And uh, if you haven't already, if you're watching this on YouTube, definitely hit that subscribe button and no- notification bell so that you know when all of these episodes come out. As well as if you enjoyed this episode, hey, you know, give it a like, give it a share. I'm giving you all these buttons to press. Isn't it fun? So much fun. To press these buttons. So definitely give it a like and a share for anybody who would like to know about the podcast. So with all that said and done, we thank you for listening to this week. We hope you have a wonderful week. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.